Hey, everybody, it is Drags Mike Petralia back with this week's episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. My pleasure in week, I guess, call it two of training camp, maybe week three, entering week three of Bengals 2023 training camp. My pleasure to welcome back one of the best on the beat, one of the, my very dear friends on the beat. That would be the one and only Richard Skinner. You know him best as Skinny, covering the Bengals for Local12.com here in Cincinnati. You can follow him on tw- on uh, Twitter or x.com at Skinny. Go ahead. Local12Skinny. Pretty simple. Local- I make it easy. Local12Skinny. There you go. Um, Skinny, I want to get right to it and ask you your thoughts and it's the question I get asked most often, Joe Burrow, when does the deal get done and how serious is the injury? Here's my, here's my answer to the first part. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I thought Mike, after Justin Herbert was done, um, it would be a matter of days. I think I said right. out loud in the media room after the Herbert signing, I said, it'll be done by the weekend. And then obviously the injury occurred on Thursday. I don't think that the two are related. I don't know what you think on that subject. I don't think the injury has caused any, um, pause in this, but, but I do think the structuring of this deal is very, very difficult to figure out how you're going to prorate this, the, the signing bonus. Right. Um, the Bengals are not keen on guaranteed money as we know, but I think they're going to have to capitulate here just to make the dollars work to give up some guaranteed money in some years. But I also, they're, they're very cap conscious of, of not bleeding themselves to the point where they can't do some things. And so uh, they are, they are at a stage where, you want to get to, to some degree as an NFL team, you want to have players worthy of getting paid, but we've seen, you can't pay them all. And, and, you know, they've, they've chosen to pay their two linebackers a decent sum. Um, you know, they're, they've extended Trey Hendrickson, I think really just to kind of uh, uh, prorate his, his bonus and help, help the cap in a couple of years to come. Right. And that was more procedural, but he got some good money up front. Um, but yeah, the Burrow deal, Mike, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised the only thing I, and I've said this from Jump Street, I've always thought it would get done before camp. I thought it would get done before the season, but let's not forget he had, he does have the rookie fifth year option picked up for next year, um, and so the clock isn't like ticking to the point of this could be a disaster. He's still under contract through the end of the 2024 season, and he's going to get paid 29 million dollars guaranteed because they picked up that fifth year option. So. You know, maybe this is a process that that continues to go back and forth for longer than what we expected. But I wonder if the fifth year option kind of at least puts a a little bit more of an extension on that to where neither side feels like it has to get something done today, tomorrow, the next day. And as far as the injury goes, that's the $64 million question. You know, I think the good news, Mike, I think you would agree with this because we've seen him in the locker room. Um, He seems in good spirits. We've seen him walking around, seen him walking around without a limp. Um, you know, it sounds like he's going through his normal workouts. He's, he's in the meetings, he's in the building. The only thing he's not doing is participating in practice. Again, I, I'm, I'm only surmising here, Mike, I, I would guess based on the initial timetable, um, that it would be that week between the end of the preseason, that, that blank week. And then you have the start of the regular season. So that would give him, if that's the case, that would give him two, two good weeks to get himself ready physically and, and, and mentally and all of those things to, to ramp it up for the opener. If it lingers into that first week of practice or that first practice injury report on the Wednesday before the Browns game comes out and Joe Burrow's on it, then, then that would give me a little reason for pause, but I don't think that's the case. Um, I, you know, we've, we've all guessed what's the definition of several, um, oh. <laughs> you know, when, I when say I go- <laughs> three or four, that's where I go with that. <laughs> 
and I've well, always here, maintained that. Go ahead. All right, so here's mine. So if I go have some beers with some folks, which we did last night at the Reds game, if I have a couple, that's two, right? A few to me is three or four. If I have many, that's five to six. Several to me is ad infinitum. So again, it's it's everybody's definition of several. But I, I think from what we've at least seen of him, Mike, you, you and I and the rest of the people who have been in the locker room, um, he seems to be in good enough spirits and he certainly um, is not incapacitated. He's walking around. So that I think that's a good sign. My read on this, Skinny, is that I don't think the two are related, the injury and the contract. I agree. However, I do think now that Burrow is dealing with the injury, I don't think Brian Aralt, his agent from CAA, same agent as Joey Bosa, um, and and Joey Bosa is sitting out. Yes. um, I don't think there is a rush to get Burrow back on the field, certainly from Brian's Brian Aralt's uh, point of view. And Absolutely. I think that's where the two might be connected. Um, and I do think that the Bengals are aware of this. And I think that Aralt is perhaps using this a little bit to try and motivate the Bengals to do a little bit more work on number crunching and get the deal done. That's yeah, so my I'll take. Ask it. Yeah, that, that's an interesting take. Um do you think if the injury hadn't occurred that a deal would be done by now? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. And I think now that the, there is Burroughs not on the field, I think maybe the Bengals feel for whatever reason, they may have more time to manipulate the numbers because he's not playing. Uh, however, I think you're right. I think this really all comes down to how do the Bengals make the guaranteed money work up front. I feel that it's from Jump Street. It's always been about how does Joe Burrow get the most guaranteed money up front? How does Brian Aroll get the most money in his hands and get a deal that uh, is not dragged out like the Patrick Mahomes deal was never going to happen in Cincinnati? Yeah, and and I, I do think, you know, when you crunch numbers of what a signing bonus would be, I mean, you, you can't get to a number that's, that's that's good enough to prorate to make it work. So there's going to have to be some guarantees in some of these years to make those numbers work. And, and like we talked about, the Bengals don't like that. This just maybe have to be a time they're going to do. I mean, Von Bell walked because Von Bell got guaranteed money in the second year of his contract um, in, in Carolina. The Bengals right. were never going to do that. And there's two different things for those who are, I mean, there's, there's a signing bonus you get. And that is guaranteed. Literally, you sign on the dotted line, they give you a check and you can take it to the bank or take it to the car dealer or take it to the craps table. You can do whatever you want with that, that check. But um, but then the guarantees, are then, then the salaries are usually, you know, you, you get X number this year, X number that year. And it's usually right. longer into the contract. The base salary is bigger because at that point, they can get out from underneath the base salary. They can just say, you're done. We don't owe you the base salary. That's the way the league works. But when there's guarantees tied in, you know, the, the, the signing bonus money is one thing, but when you start guaranteeing a year, two years, three years, four years, if something catastrophic happens, you're on the hook for a big number um, that really allows you zero cap flexibility at that point. And so, again, Joe Burrow is going to get paid, but I do think the structuring of this is really, really difficult. And I, there's nobody I would trust more with manipulating the numbers and figuring it, doing all of the calculus, if you will, of this than Katie Blackburn. Great. I mean, she is one of the most respected uh, in the NFL at doing this. I think the Bengals are very fortunate to have Katie 
uh, Blackburn at the wheel of these negotiations simply for that reason. Uh, she's trying to do something that's going to put the Bengals in a competitive position going forward, not like other teams who might say, screw it, just give Burrow his money and the cap be damned and we'll worry about it down the road. That's not the way the Bengals have ever done business, and I give them credit for that. Yeah, and, and Mike, and, and listen, trust me, in my talk show radio days back certainly in the 90s, there was a mantra that this organization was cheap, and they were. That was true. It's no longer true. They've, they've held very true to the salary cap. They're not going to, to play around with the salary cap. They're always going to give themselves some wiggle room. They're always going to give themselves some rollover room. Um, and fans don't have to like that, but that doesn't mean they're cheap. And they're not being cheap with Joe Burrow. Trust me, they're not. No. They're trying to figure out how to structure this to keep whatever core of this football team, as much of the core of this football team together um, as, as, as possible. And that's really, really hard today's NFL. And I know people can look and go, well, cap's going to keep going up and going up. Sure it is. Um, we don't know what that number is going to be. We can guess what it's going to be and it's going to go up a nice chunk and they're going to guess some of that, but they also don't want to get in a year. And, 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 and I know this has happened. There've been teams that they get to the you know week 15, 16, 17, they literally can't feel the full roster because they're out of money. They got more, no money left. Bengals will never be in that position. Uh, I can guarantee you that. Also, it's important to note that with Logan Wilson signing over the weekend, that's not by mistake. I believe that the Bengals are trying to say to their, in part, a byproduct of the Logan Wilson signing is the following. We are signing players. Yes. We got the Trey Hendrickson extension done through 2025. I doubt very much he'll be uh, on the roster in 2025. That's another story for another podcast. However, they got the Trey Hendrickson story done, uh, Trey Hendrickson extension done. They got the Logan Wilson extension done. They've already uh, rework, uh, got an extension done, you know, well, early, actually way back early in the offseason with Jermaine Pratt. They have gotten a lot of pieces done. The two remaining items are T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. Those were always going to take the longest period of time. And I think it's good PR for the Bengals to put out these guys like Logan Wilson, like Trey Hendrickson in camp to let fans know we are extending players. It's just that this Burrow deal is going to take time. Yeah. And I, I, the, the T Higgins thing is probably more married to that than the Logan Wilson deal was ever going to be married to that because sure. while Logan got a nice piece of change for his position group, that is not a premium position. Players are not paid at a premium price. And you can laugh at that when he's getting basically an average of, of, of $10 million a year, he's getting an average of 11 mil for the first two years. That's not chump change to anybody, but uh, relatively speaking in the league, but wide receivers these days are asking for a big chunk of money and quarterbacks, as we know in this league, get paid a big chunk of money. And you have your more elite wide receiver who's doing extension next season, possibly. So this is not easy. I, I will tell you, I, I know it always seems like just pay him. Well, you can't, there's a there's a salary cap for a reason. <laughs> and so um, I, I think that's where we're at. And I, I do wonder aloud, and I guess I'll do it with you because I've done it with others. I'm sure you have too. I do wonder if T gets done at all. I, I really wonder if it's I go back and forth. Skinny. I, I, I can see, I can see an argument for it getting done because T first of all, because Bengal, the Bengals have always, and you know, this better than I do have always had an allegiance to their own, to their own. Oh, absolutely. Own players, the ones they trust, the ones they know, know their organization the best. And T Higgins, falls under that category. I thought his comments after practice on Monday uh, were sincere, complimenting Logan Wilson, or maybe that was Sunday. I guess it was Sunday. Uh, complimenting uh, Logan Wilson 
on the deal. He was in touch with him. He congratulated him. Um, it, it struck me a little odd. Cincinnati's got themselves a good linebacker for the next four years, as opposed to we've got a yeah. great, but I mean, whatever I'm, you know, that's a little bit conspiracy theory, a theorist of, of me to say that, but um, certainly I think uh, T Higgins is on board with what the Bengals are trying to do. And the fact that he's here in camp working He's not holding out. He has not made one peep about his contract. He is not a diva receiver in that no, regard. No. You know, yes, he has David Mulligetta of Athletes First, and we know all about his reputation, has never worked a deal with the Bengals. Will this be the first? Yeah, I remember asking him back in OTAs. I literally said, why are you here? And he talked about, I want to work on my craft because he didn't have to be there in OTAs. And in the contract situation, I think everybody would have understood why he wasn't there in OTAs. Um, and you're right. I mean, you know, he sat out one practice um, in camp and we kind of all went over our skis wondering, oh gosh, is this, the, it was right after Burrow got, I think it was the day after Burrow got hurt. It was like, oh yeah. gosh, he sees the tea leaves. I understand it. And then he yep. was practicing Saturday. He's practiced ever since. So it was just apparently a rest day or whatever. Maybe it was a day where he thought about that and decided to, to sit it. I, it. It's all possible. But after that, he's been nothing but a professional. And the one thing I will say is, and I'm with you, I go back and forth on this too, because the Bengals value wide receiver. It's a premium position to yes, them. Yes, they, they do. Don't pay for a premium position. It, you know, no offense to Jesse Bates or Von Bell, they don't consider safety a premium position. They're not going to pay premium money for that, even though Jesse Bates' agent is the same agent as T. Higgins. But then I go back and forth saying, okay, at some point the money's going to run out. You definitely want to pay Jamar Chase. Can you pay two guys top dollar at that position? And could you just simply say, you know, we're not going to make this work. Your agent is tough to deal with. We went through this process with Jesse and we're going to do the same thing we did with Jesse. We'll tag you. We'd love to have you for a fifth year. Hopefully you play on that tag in the fifth year and then you can go get paid. And I do wonder if that's the case that you just, you, you, you know that this is coming to an end maybe in two years with T Higgins and you win the draft next year, go after another wide receiver. And we've seen certainly the Bengals have done it with, with a lot of guys. You can plug and play rookie wide receivers in this league nowadays. And, and I hate to do that, but that's kind of where we're at. And so I'm back, I'm back and forth on both because they do value that position and they value that kid because he's been nothing but a pro. He's being nothing but a pro at the moment, but man, the dollars are tough to make work. Sometimes the stars of training camp 2023 in, I don't think there's been any doubt about it are Jamar chase and T Higgins, right? No yeah, question. So, so I did this last week and I'll probably do this Thursday because I kind of consider tomorrow's practice the end of another week of camp we can we can all judge when camp week ends camp week right end. but i did one last week i did a column of kind of three risers and three fallers and in one of the three risers i put jamar chase and t higgins together and that sounds so idiotic right because how can they rise they're already stars but they they've been even better than ever in this camp making spectacular catches dealing with some quarterbacks that don't throw the ball away joe burrow throws the ball and making great that's being there. kind skinny i, I, I you're a very kind human being there you go um you know jamar ran a route yesterday in which a quarterback knocked the ball away you know and stepped in front knocked it away and he didn't snap but he said that pass was late because he got out of the break and yes. it was late i mean the pass should have been as he's coming out of the break that um, was with dj ivy on him dj ivy correct and and uh DJ Ivy made a really nice play on it, but thankfully the ball was for his sake, the ball was late, but yeah, I'm with you. Those two guys have been just out of this world. Well, and the other telling comment to me from T on Sunday was the following. We don't care who's throwing the ball. We still got to go out there and make plays. And that is a great sign from two leaders in that locker room that, yeah, we know Burroughs hurt, but we still can make, go out and make plays. And 
I'll tell you what. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl or going deep in the playoffs without Joe Burrow. I'm not going to say that here. However, they are capable of winning games simply because if you have a quarterback back there who can get them the ball in reasonably good spots, they'll go up and get the ball. They're going to win. That may be enough against some teams. Yeah, they're going to win. It sounds silly. They're going to win the majority of 50 50 balls. They really are. They're going to win those majority of it. And, and, right. you know, they're going to help make their quarterback better. You know, we've seen it in camp. T. Higgins slicing across the middle passes behind him. He can torch his body to make the catch. I mean, that that's that's a that's a completion for the quarterback that for maybe a lot of receivers, it's an incompletion. Um, so those guys are going to make you look better. And you're right. I'm with you. You're not. Yeah, you're, you're exactly. You're not going deep without Joe Burrow. But could you win a game or two without him? Um, I don't think you'd like to try to find out, but I think you could. This defense is capable of holding teams under 20. Correct. You have your wide receivers make a couple of big plays for you. You win the turnover battle, and you can win a game twenty to seventeen. And and uh, it probably is not going to look as aesthetically pleasing as it can when Joe Burrow's playing quarterback. But but you can win a game, and it's because you've got some stars on the outside that can go make plays. What about the safeties? I, I, see, I asked uh, Zach this on Sunday before practice. One of the hardest things to do, I think, from our perspective is evaluate safety play yes you can see the corners corners are a different story because they're in a lot of one-on-one battles you can see them fight with the receiver fight for the ball uh try and go after the ball with safeties they have different responsibilities on each play depending on what defense is called yeah the other part too and and as you know we all take notes differently i'll usually take notes into my recorder and go back and transcribe plays just just so I know what happened. And I try to yell over your shoulders. Yes, you do. Yes, you just, the, you're uh, on a lot of these. Um, uh, but I, I I went back and looked at this actually uh, yesterday. I was just kind of just perusing some notes. There's probably five or six times that, I, that I've gone on my notes. Nick Scott would have blown that receiver up in a game where they're throwing a, a route in between the linebackers and safeties. The safety comes rushing up. He's not going to step in front of the pass. We see it all the time, but he detonates the wide receiver right as the ball comes. Well, you're not doing that in practice. You're not allowed to do that in practice. You'll, your coaches will hate you. Your teammates on the other side will let you. Don't do that. You just know I was in position to make that play. And so you're right. That's what's so hard to evaluate. Of would he have separated the ball from from that guy? Would he have? Would he have? You know, made that pass an incompletion? You never know. Same thing in the run game. Would that safety have made the tackle in the box, or would he have gotten trucked and the running back would still be running? I mean. That's what's so hard to evaluate. That's why, uh, you know, preseason games for some of these guys is going to be important. And that, you know, we're probably not going to see a lot of the starters, but I'd be willing to bet you we see a chunk of the Nick Scott, Dax Hill tandem. Um, I mean, not a chunk, but we're going to see some of them to get a bit for, so Louie Anarumo can get a better read. So those guys can get on the same page in real time, real speed situations. Preseason is going to be vitally important for Tyson Anderson and Jordan Battle. Yes. I do think one of the one of, if not both of them, can show flash something, as we like to say, in preseason that will stick with Lou Anarumo and say, we've got something there. We've got athletic ability. We've got a great tackler in, in um, Jordan Battle, um, maybe somebody who can make a play on a ball like a Jordan Battle. Uh, and that's what I think the Bengals really need to see starting on Friday against the Packers. Agreed. Yeah, and I think that I think you're right. And that's that's a good way to evaluate those guys. Uh, much better than what you can do in training camp practices, even even going full speed. Yeah, uh, no question about that. And, you know, I think defensively, you know, we haven't talked a lot about DJ Reader and whether or not he could at some point be extended. Probably not. Probably uh, not. 
probably not enough money there to do it, but he's heart still, as long as he's 98 is in stripes, heart and soul of that defense. Yeah. I mean, again, it's so hard to evaluate running plays. They don't tackle, um, you know, running backs, finish runs. They, they, they maybe get stopped up in the hole and then the whistle blows and they run through it or whatever. And so it's hard. There's a lot of times when the first team defensive lines out there on running plays, there's not a lot of lanes to go through when you're trying to go guard to guard. It's not a knock on the guards who are in there. Yeah. It's because DJ readers clogging things up in the middle. Look, you you covered, obviously, uh, Geno Atkins. I covered Vince Wilfork. DJ Reader is approaching that class of nose tackle. Yeah, the, the difference for Geno, obviously, was he was just an elite pass rusher inside. I mean, he and Aaron Donald are two, and probably Vince Wilfork's in that group, two of the most elite interior pass rushers of, of this generation. You can go back to Alan Page if you want, and Joe Green if you want for – you know, Hall of right. Fame elite guys. So I'm putting them in that category. That's the big difference. DJ is not a great natural pass rusher. I mean, it's why he comes out on third downs, but he is, he is the guy that gets you to third downs, right? He is the guy that gets you to third and six and third and seven and gets you. I, your I think more the Vin, the Vince Wilfork analogy to me rings true because Vince didn't get after the quarterback all that much either. Yeah. Bel- Belichick asked him to plug a gap. That's what DJ reader does yes. to me. When, when I see DJ reader, I see a a lot of similarities with Vince Wilfork. Uh, he's he he really is, uh, and, and it's 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 kind of a shame because statistics don't back any of this up. They're never going to back Correct. any of this up. It's why he's never gotten a Pro Bowl nod. He's just not a, you know, again. He's not not an elite pass rusher, but he is the heart and soul of, of what that defensive line does and 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 is. And uh, you're right, the money's not going to probably be there for for him, but he's been a, a key cog in what they've done over the last few seasons. I know Anna Rumo loves the guy. Absolutely. I mean, he's so reliable. It, I mean, yeah, what, do co- what do coaches? Yeah, what do coaches love? They love consistency and reliability above anything. You can talk about all the flash plays you want, and they're all sexy, and fans love them, and hell, we love them too, right? But you know what coaches love? Reliability and consistency. I'm going to know that guy on every play is going to do his job, and I don't have to worry about it. We already touched on him, Skinny, and we're talking with Richard Skinner, uh, Skinny. Uh, by the way, you have a podcast. Promote that. Yeah, it's a skinny podcast. Rick Boring of uh, Musketeer Report and I do one uh, in the middle of the week each week. And we kind of touch on all the t- topics locally from baseball to college, basketball, football, Bengals, uh, whatever. And uh, we have a little bit of fun at the end of the podcast where anybody can go to Twitter and ask me questions on any topic. And I try to give you an answer to it. And then in Bengals season, he and I do a, a, a recap, uh, it, you know, a few hours after the game that, that goes up is, uh, you know, either Sunday night or early Monday morning. So, we do that, uh, the, the one at least once a week, and then the other one we'll do during Bengals season. And online, local12.com, correct? That's correct. Yes, sir. All right, uh, let's get back to it. Uh, we touched on this already. Uh, Logan Wilson, the deal. You talk about consistency. Lou Anarumo loves Logan Wilson, and he should. And, you know, I wrote this on Tuesday, I believe it was, or Monday, and that is, had the Bengals won Super Bowl 56, he would have been in the conversation for Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I, I had a I had a ticket on on T Higgins for that. By the way, T might have been in line for that as yeah, well. Yeah, certainly but, it would have been. But yes, Burrow T. But Logan Wilson, the job he did in that game, I thought was as good as any linebacker covering receivers out of the backfield and making tackles in front of him downhill. No question, and. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that it got marred by that pass interference, the extremely questionable pass interference call against him. Um, that, that on Cooper he, Cup, yep, yeah, that he kind of even 
joked about a little bit on Sunday because he hasn't forgotten that skinny people watching this podcast, listening to this podcast need to understand that still sticks with him. No question because he knows he made the right play. I mean, I I guarantee you, if you sat in a room with him watching film of that play over and over and over again and said, what could, or would you do differently? I'm not sure there's anything he could have or would have done different. I mean, Maybe. Lou has always said, Lou Anarumo has right. always said that. Right. There's Correct. nothing he could have done differently. Yeah, and I didn't realize this stat, Trags, and in, in, in um, it was from the 2021 postseason. He had 39 tackles in four games. Now, now, granted, that's four games. That was the most in a postseason since Ray Lewis in, like, 2012. That, that I ain't like, I, And that. I never – yeah. And, you know, Logan flashes at times, but, again, the consistency thing for him is there. I think his seven interceptions are the most by a linebacker. Um, over the last three seasons, got great ball skills, um, you know, and the fact that he and Jermaine, Jermaine Pratt um, in tandem are so good in tandem and keep getting better in tandem. I think you'll see Jermaine probably expand into maybe more of a third down role. And I know, I know Lou tries to get a King Davis Gaither on the field um, and, right. and at the expense, unfortunately, of Pratt at times, but I've got a feeling that Pratt will probably get more third down opportunities this year. There's not a lot of teams that have two, three down linebackers. That's pretty rare in today's NFL. Uh, Bill Belichick would love that, by the way. He loves himself some three down linebackers. Um, But back on the Bengals, uh, this is the Jungle Roar podcast, of course. Uh, Marcus Bailey, the fourth linebacker, you think? Uh, Here, Joe Batchy, I go back and forth on it. That's one position group, and I know you've done it. We've all done our 53-man roster. I've been rock solid on the five linebackers. I just don't think there's any wavering from them. Marcus, again, and, and I don't think this is lip service. Lou Anarumo doesn't throw around compliments easily, right? Um, I, he's always been very complimentary of Marcus when he's gotten opportunities. And I think, you know, he and Joe Bocci are really good back-end guys that we've seen when they've had to play in a pinch, they do pretty well. Um, and I still think Akeem Davis Gaither has just incredibly untapped potential because I still think he's kind of so learning. So fast. I mean, he, he might be the fastest line. Yeah, right. Definitely right. the fastest no, It's, it's a really, you know, for what is – a non-premium position, if you will. And that's never fair. They're all, they all mean something, but I think you understand what I'm talking about. Um, that's a really deep room for them to have. And, and uh, I think that's a nice, that's a nice luxury really when um, you know, if, especially because how physical that position is, it's hard to get linebackers through 17 regular season games intact. Um, if you can, good for you, but you're going to have to have some of those other guys play some meaningful snaps at some point because of the physicality of that position. And they got guys uh, on the back end of that that can do it and do it well. Explain to the audience why Darren Simmons, the special teams coordinator, has the most important say on cutdown day. Well, special teams is just a huge part, as we know, and it's the old, it's the third phase of football, and it is, but that's the guy that's going to say, hey, listen, I, I know at the back end of cornerback, you may not have a spot for, for him per se, but I've got a spot for him if we can make it work. Same as running back, same as all those things. That's where like a guy like Michael Thomas, I've always kept him on this team as a fifth safety behind Tyson Anderson and Jordan Battle and the two starters because of his special teams value. He's a personal protector on punts. He's got a great veteran presence. Um, he's got great value on special teams. Stanley Morgan the same way. I mean, it comes down to can Andre Yoshibosh play special teams? Stanley Morgan can and plays it at a high level. Doesn't really do much as a receiver. Occasionally goes into block. So those those decisions right. really are Darren Simmons making a big voice on those guys. All right. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Brad Robbins 
Um, he had a good day on Monday. I think he needed it because, you know, by his own admission, he had hit a bit of a wall. And, you know, one thing I pointed out in my video podcast after Monday practice, he is not like um, having three quarterbacks in practice. The Bengals don't have two punters because of the Drew Chrisman uh, injury situation to begin camp. And so or the medical situation. So Brad Robbins has been taking all the the reps and he he gets tired. But I think on Monday, we finally saw what he's capable of. Yeah. I I talked to Drew after practice yesterday. He actually said he did punt some on the rehab field before practice. So that's at least a nice sign that he's getting a chance to get into the competition. And it's funny what you said, and I talked to Jay Morrison about this too, about Brad taking a lot of those punts. I talked to Darren, I don't know, a little over a week ago about, you know, Brad competing with himself. And I said, how are you managing his reps? And he said, listen, I've had a one punter situation around here for a long time with Kevin Huber. So I've been able to do that. And then to hear that he kind of hit the wall made me wonder, did, did Darren maybe overestimate him kicking as much as he did and maybe pushed him too much to kick as much as he did? Cause there was a a day in practice uh, last week where the team was doing 11 on 11s on one field. Um, Brad was punting with, with the long snapper, Cal Adamitis and Darren on another field. And I kept watching and Brad wasn't hitting punts very well. And I could say, I could see the frustration on Darren Simmons face, but as you mentioned yesterday, he had one shank job out of, he punted what probably 15, 20. He had a, other than that, he was hitting missiles and he was pinning the ball to the sidelines. Uh, hang time was good. The distance was good. Um, we know about his hang time, but I asked Darren about, you know, is there something you'd like to see him do better? He goes, honestly, we're trying to cut down on the hang time a little bit to get a little more distance. And I think maybe that's where Brad was struggling a little bit too, of trying to do some of those things, but boy, he had a really good day um, yesterday in, in practice in that special team session. Okay. Here's three guys. I'm really looking forward to watching uh, in the preseason. Um, uh, certainly we're going to see the starters on Wednesday in the joint practice with green Bay. That's going to be probably one of the most critical practices for the regulars most of the regulars um when they get on the field with the green bay regulars but those guys will not play most of them uh on friday and going forward in the preseason but for the preseason chase brown miles murphy and jordan battle those are three guys and they're all rookies of course but i'm really really intrigued by what chase brown could bring to the bengals and to your evaluation process right you see Chase Brown, he looks explosive running, but is he? Would he have gotten tackled, you know, two yards into his run? Would he have broken that tackle? Would he have avoided that tackle? How has he done? He's had a couple of moments in blitz pickup where he has struggled a little bit and it looked like he wasn't sure what he was supposed to be doing, but let's see when the gets live and all those things. But as a pure runner, um, he's looked great. Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach, run game coordinator, was really, uh, really praised him. Um, uh, oh, Sunday we explosive. He used yeah, that word twice. twice. Yeah, twice. Um, and, and I'm going to take his word for it. Cause again, it's so hard to, for us to evaluate. Was that a proper run? Was it not, you know, et cetera. Um, miles Murphy, again, you get to see some pass rush stuff, but would he have sacked the quarterback? Would he have disrupted it because you can't touch the quarterback, of course. And then to your point of the safeties can Jordan back battle tackle. Can't, can he make the right read? Is he going to be in the right place? I think all three of those positions, which are really hard to evaluate in training camp practices are really important to evaluate in, in game conditions. And, and uh, that's why I'm with you. I'm looking forward to those guys too. You know who needs to have a really good preseason to make the team if he's got a shot? Chris Evans. Yeah, and I think that I go back and forth on that one of how many backs do you keep? And, um, you know, I'm kind of with you in that regard, depending on Travion's health. It's just so – it's such a competitive situation. Yeah. Skinny, they're not – obviously, Chase Brown – 
is, is valued. Two. Yes, yes. He was taken where he was taken for a reason. Fourth yes. round. He is on the roster. Yes. Joe Mixon is on the roster. Travion Williams is on the roster. I mean, he was. He's been back at camp. He's out of the boot. He, he'll be ready by the regular. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That's three right there. Yeah, and that, that comes down to do you keep a fourth? And if you don't, um, Chris Evans is the odd man out, and maybe he toggles between the practice squad and the in the in the regular squad. I'm, I'm going to guess they would like to bring him back on the practice squad if that's the case, and um, that would be a nice luxury to have a guy in your system on the practice squad like that. And I think it literally comes down to do you keep three or do you keep four? And, and here is something to keep vitally in mind when you're watching these preseason games: if someone who has honestly no chance of making the roster flashes in preseason the reason that's important is they'll get cut but the Bengals coaches will take their notes and go okay if he gets through waivers he's going to be on our practice squad exactly that is important to the player that is of vital importance and that's why when people ask what significance do these preseason games have well they're vitally important to uh these coaches who if somebody goes down and they need to dig into their practice squad in week seven, week eight against Baltimore, Pittsburgh, whoever you name it, San Francisco, they can pull somebody off the practice squad that they've already seen play in competition. Trent Taylor in 2021, when Darius Phillips struggled as a punt returner, Trent Taylor's on the practice squad, bring him up. He'd be getting punt returner for the rest of the season and had the big two point conversion catch of all things in Kansas city. So there was a guy coming off of that that added some real value to your football team that year. So that is it for this week on the jungle roar podcast. Skinny, you working on anything as we uh, move toward the preseason opener? Yeah. Just doing a a story on, on kind of what what to expect from that Packers practice tomorrow and kind of the stories from Nick Scott talking about, he was on the other side of the fight last year with the Rams. Um, We hopefully don't get to that uh, portion of it. And then probably Thursday, maybe three to five things to watch in the preseason game, kind of the stuff that we're, we're talking about today. And obviously the report from the Packers practice, that'll be a, that'll be a almost like covering a game, if you will, for all of us. Too bad there'll be no Aaron Rodgers when the Packers come calling. I, I would have looked. I would have looked forward to that. I would have too. Well, he is Richard Skinner. You know him better as Local Twelve Skinny on Twitter. Be sure to follow him there. Be sure to follow him on Local12.com and check out the Skinny Podcast. Is that correct? I got it right. That's correct. You got them all right, Michael. You're, you're not losing your mind, baby. Thank God, because I do doubt that sometimes. And you are around in the media workroom when I am doubting myself. Yes, so Go listen to I appreciate mom. your support. You bet. Thanks, Mike, as always. All right, Skinny, you take care. That is it for this week's edition of the Jungle Roar Podcast. Be sure to click on the link below if you are watching on the YouTube page at Jungle Roar Pod. Want to hear all of your comments, good, bad, and indifferent. Until next week, take care, everybody.